2: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: Hey, glad you're here. Jack has got the COVID and is feeling uh, pretty rotten, um, but we're hoping for a quick recovery. He's got some uh, medicine and who knows. Um, a quick note from last hour when we were talking about the Gold Star families and the hearing um, in which they testified to the utter lack of accountability that they've encountered, the loss of their children at uh, Abbey Gate there during the evacuation of Kabul. And my mind blanked, senior moment, if you will, on the title of the fabulous book that describes the effort to get people out of there. It's The Fifth Act, America's End in Afghanistan by Elliot Ackerman. And it's absolutely terrific. He served four combat tours in Afghanistan with the Marines um, and, and knows the ground very, very well. And it's just a terrific book. Uh, but it is very, very troubling about that chaos. So having said that, are we good, Michael? Good to go? Excellent. Uh, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Sheriff Chad Bianco of Riverside County, uh, first elected in 2018, reelected in 2022 to his second term, a 29-year veteran of the sheriff's office. Uh, Chad is the chief law enforcement officer of Riverside County in beautiful Southern California. Uh, sheriff, how are you, sir?
4: I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
3: Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, we played a uh, a bit of audio from you the other day, in which you're describing the California Sheriff's Association and its long history of uh, of meeting with and conferring with governors, because obviously the chief executive of the state needs to be in touch with law enforcement. And we are just shocked and appalled, and not like fake talk show host appalled, but just appalled <laughs> by the fact that.
4: Governor Gavin Newsom has not met with you folks. Is that right? Uh, that is 100% correct. And it's in it, it, the first time ever. I mean, we talk about all the sheriffs. You know, we have a long history of, of meeting with the sheriffs and the sheriff's meeting with the governor about crime in the state. It's a unique place to meet with only 58 sheriffs and talk about what everyone is experiencing across the state in terms of public safety. And Newsom flat out refuses to meet with us. We've We've begged, We've pleaded uh we've tried and he's the only governor in that anyone can remember that that has refused and so you know that did me saying that and that play did get a lot of of traction and the, the funny thing about it is his crazy little run for governor which or for president which i hope the rest of the country clues in on what we already know uh he he immediately reached out and said oh we need to work together and we need to please stop no. stop sheriff bianco from saying that and so now he met with uh, with a group of five sheriffs. It was completely uneventful. It was a token meeting. So technically, I can't say he doesn't meet with us because he did arrange one meeting, but it was useless. It was a tool, so he can kind of keep me quiet, but it won't work.
3: Wow, that is astounding. So uh, just a word to the audience uh, all across the country and around the world, not in California. Uh, if, you know, if our 50 states are indeed laboratories of democracy, you need to know what some of the progressive experiments in law enforcement are doing to a beautiful, beautiful state. I think it's worth hearing no matter where you live. But, uh, Sheriff, let's talk about some of the recent, uh, you know, ballot measures and changes to California law and what that has meant to citizens and, and what you see on the street.
4: Yeah, I, there's there's been so many and they, and they didn't start this just today they didn't start yesterday they started a decade ago a little bit more than a decade ago and the the policies that, that they have put into place it's there are policies of decriminalization they, uh, they are policies of emptying our prisons not because people aren't committing crimes it's because people will never go to prison anymore. Uh, they have overcrowded our jails. Uh, by forcing state prisoners into county jails where they do not belong. So now none of our county jails have room for the regular people that we arrest every day that should you know, that spend a couple of days or a couple of weeks or months in jail and then go back into society. We're housing state prisoners now, and then they close state prisons. So once they've emptied out enough uh, bed space in prisons where they can consolidate and empty a prison, Governor Newsom's stated goal is to close as many prisons as he can and it has nothing to do with eliminating crime. Everyone in this state knows that crime is through the roof. They have changed the definition of crime. So crimes that were were felonies 10 years ago are now misdemeanors or infractions, or sometimes not even a crime anymore. And then for people that that, that don't know, that aren't paying attention, you get people like Newsom that get up and tout his, his, you know, how well he's done with fighting crime because his crime's down. Well, anyone with common sense knows that if nothing's a crime anymore, there isn't going to be any crime. So they, they're legalizing drugs. Uh, they want date rape drugs legalized. They're, they're trying to uh, prevent law-abiding residents from having guns while they flat out refuse to penalize criminals who commit crimes with guns. It is a very bizarre situation. We are here living in California, and I hope the world learns it. Yeah, for folks
3: who haven't heard this, we've been tracking a handful of the radical left DAs in L.A. and San Francisco and Oakland, California, among other places. And while the left is always howling for stricter and stricter gun control, if you are caught committing a felony with a gun, these DAs will not apply the use of a gun enhancement. I mean, how insane is that? Anyway, I don't want to get too hung up on that. So the prison thing... Uh, is, is speaking of insane, so the, a federal judge said a number of years ago, California's prisons are way too crowded. You got to do something about it. Well, if you have that many people breaking that many laws, you clearly need more prisons. But the answer from the one-party state, and, and it's only in recent years, what, a dozen, 15 years, that California's become a one-party state. The answer was, well, we got to empty out the prisons. Uh, as uh, Sheriff Bianco pointed out, we're going to jam the state prisoners into the county jails. Now, the county jails have no room for the local bad guys then you have prosecutors who won't prosecute and so you get the revolving door of committing sometimes very serious crimes and you're just out on the street to commit another crime tomorrow uh i want to talk about um it's recently come out that a lot of the the system the uh what do you call it the organized shoplifting rings um are abs are uh, some of them are actually controlled by the mexican drug cartels because it's becomes so popular uh how is riverside county doing with the rampant shoplifting thing is are all your you know shampoos and 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 bottles of scotch and everything behind lock and key like in northern california
4: uh, no they're not well so, I, I will have to say that some stores if they're like large department stores that are all across the state if they have a policy of doing that uh, yes we have some stores that are locking up their 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 merchandise but here in riverside county we are Uh, We are an extremely proactive law enforcement area county, uh, not only with me and my large department, but all of our police departments. And we have a very very uh, pro-law enforcement DA who actually believes that criminals should be uh, prosecuted and held accountable for their crimes. So we, uh, I'm not gonna say that we're immune to these, these smash and grabs and these retail thefts, but when we have them, they seem to be coming from other counties and they, we catch them, and we prosecute them, we arrest them, we jail them. So the criminal element knows that that we are a little bit different here because we are very proactive in our law enforcement uh, response, and we hear that from the criminals. But it is certainly across the state they have emboldened criminals to the level where the cartels and the gangs are now taking advantage of these situations and running rings, crime rings, because they know they're not going to get prosecuted
3: that's amazing and and astounding sheriff chad bianco a policy matters so much we got an email from a cop that was just priceless i can't remember precisely the counties that were involved it was in the bay area california and he was talking about uh busting uh somebody who who did one of those big shoplifting sprees and uh the the guy looked at the cop's badge and said oh my god I didn't realize I was in Santa Clara County. He was he was like on the side of the street that was that county. He thought he was still in whichever other county it was where they don't yeah. prosecute at all. Policy matters, doesn't it, to quality of life?
4: Oh, 100%. And I'm telling you, the criminals know it. We recently arrested a, a jury... Uh, there a a smash and grab at a jewelry store that we linked to um, several others in our county and out of county and their response when we caught them was where did all the cops come from we didn't know you guys did enforcement here and it truly is policies mean things policies mean everything and we California is under the leadership of Newsom at the direction of Newsom is in a in a state where we have decriminalized everything. we believe that criminals are victims of society and and it's the law enforcement's fault that someone commits crime it's not theirs, and it, it's it's hurting us it's it's really it's killing our communities it's driving our businesses and our residents out of state it's driving our law enforcement officers out of state. And we're, we're going to collapse.
3: I was just going to ask, how's the uh, Riverside County Sheriff's Department doing? Do you have uh, all the deputies you need? How's staffing?
4: Well, we are actually doing well, and we are unique to law enforcement in California. I, I meet with chiefs, and I meet with other sheriffs all of the time, and we talk about our our issues with recruiting and with retention. And because I am so vocal, because we are so pro-law enforcement, and, and you know, we want to go out and arrest as many people as we can, and we're very vocal about it, law enforcement officers that want to be in the job come here. So we are not, while we, while we experience the same, uh, less applications across the country because people are just not coming into law enforcement like they used to, our agency, we're actually doing fine. We're, we're hiring enough to keep up with attrition. We're increasing, increasing our ranks a little bit. So we're doing well. But the rest of the state is not.
3: You know, I uh, they say a good lawyer should know the answer to a question before he asks it. I didn't know the answer to that question, uh, Sheriff, but I had a really strong feeling, given you know the reasons you gave, and that you have a pro uh, law enforcement uh, DA and everything. I had a feeling you were doing a lot better than a lot of places where the cops know. The brass doesn't have their backs because the politicians don't have the chief's back or the sheriff's back or whatever. And these are the cities that are hundreds of officers short, whether it's, you know, San Francisco or Portland, Seattle, you know, L.A. Uh, Policy matters once again. Uh, Sheriff Chad Bianco of Riverside County. Sheriff, really enjoyed the chat. I hope we can stay in touch. This stuff is important.
4: Absolutely. Anytime. I'm available.
3: All right. Great. Great. Great to talk to you. Good stuff. Uh, Wow. Wow. For the umpteenth time, the policy matters. Elections matter. That's striking. And how what's equally striking and just mind-boggling to a lot of us is how voters get misled by the unicornian rhetoric of the left. And then when they see the evidence of the failure of the policies all around them, they don't recognize it. Or they don't connect the dots. There's only like two dots. I'll give you connect two dots. Anyway, more to come. Hope you can stay around. Don't go away.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
3: Hope you enjoyed the chat with the uh, sheriff as much as I did. What a sharp guy. Um, Riverside County, California is lucky to have him. As Gavin Newsom positions himself to run for president, keep all that stuff in mind and more. I mean, like you have this um, from Nick, former Californian, currently a South Carolina refugee, or I guess he's a California refugee, but... Uh, he came back to California to visit old friends and hit In-N-Out, the famous burger joint, and uh, close to the San Francisco airport, there's an In-N-Out, so he pulls in, he parks his car, sees a security guard there in the parking lot and thinks, oh, great, my car's going to be reasonably safe. Uh, five minutes later, the security guard found me inside the restaurant and asks, is that your car? No, it wasn't broken into, but the guard showed me a photo of one that was broken into as a warning what could happen. He explained, look, you got a rental car, out-of-state plates near the airport. It's going to get broken into to steal your luggage. Happens all the time. You should get your food order to go, eat in your car, eat while you drive, whatever, uh, because your car is not safe. And "And here I thought that security was there to deter theft and break-ins. Boy, was I wrong. It's there to deter customers from staying and shopping. That was our last trip back to Cal Unicornia. We're done. Great place once, but it's not worth it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, which reminds me, my my brother who lives in North Carolina sent me a picture. He was in South Carolina for some uh, military thing, and um, actually, I think it was a retirement ceremony or something like that. I shouldn't say some military thing; it was probably very dignified and wonderful. But anyway, uh, he he sent a picture uh, from a store that had I can't remember. It was like a hundred and seventy five dollar bottle of Scotch. Number one. That better be good. I mean, like, better than it could possibly be. Anyway, it's there on the shelf. If you want to buy it, and Cal Unicornians are, are thinking, what? People in Tennessee are thinking, of course it was. Um, but you, this wasn't behind lock and key in a cage. You didn't have to get anybody. You just take it off the shelf and go pay for it. $175. Um you can't get like a $60 bottle of anything in most of California because it'd be immediately stolen. You got to get a clerk to unlock the locker. And I mean, if they have toothpaste and deodorant and makeup and shampoo locked up in drugstores, what a contrast that is in terms of quality of life. They're locking up my toothpaste. <laughs> in terms of culture, the culture of the progressive parts of America tell you crime is fine commit crimes go ahead we won't do anything the culture in the rest of the country is like no that's not only illegal it's immoral and you will be punished or maybe beat with a stick if you even attempt it and so yeah there's the deterrent effect and that matters but there's also the sociological effect of I'm not going to steal because I wouldn't want to be thought of as a thief that would be humiliating. You're humiliating for me, humiliating for my family. I'm not going to be a criminal. That's an awful thing to be. Well, in some parts of the, the country, the blue parts, it's fine to be a criminal. In fact, you're not a criminal. You've been driven to desperation by uh, income inequality or capitalism or the patriarchy or, or racism or sexism or homophobia or, or something. Anyway. I don't know. Keep carrying out your experiment and utopianism and let me know how it goes. Uh, that reminds me, boy, we've barely got a minute left and we've got some great stuff on the whole diversity and equity and inclusion thing is blowing up as people. I don't mean like blowing up increasing. I mean, blowing up in the traditional sense. Um, it's people are realizing how insane it all is and abandoning it pretty quickly. Again, in the bluest parts of the country, not quite yet, but there's hope anyway. Uh, also, I came across a study I referenced briefly the other day uh, about the incredible divide between Republicans and Democrats, men and women, uh, men and women, I'm reading and talking at the same time, men and women, married men, married women, single men, single women, and there's one result that stands out like crazy, and it's so interesting. Anyway, uh, Woke might be dying. We'll talk about that next segment. If you can't hang around, grab the podcast later. Armstrong and Getty on demand.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
6: Remember, the flight attendants are primarily here for
5: your safety after that. They're here to make the flight more enjoyable. They're going to take care of you guys, but you will listen to what they have to say because they represent my will in the cockpit or in the cabin. People should treat people the way you want to be treated, but I have to say it every single flight because people don't. They're selfish and rude. Don't lean on other people. Don't fall asleep on other people. Don't pass out on other people or drool on them unless you've talked about it. And they have a weather-resistant jacket. Little cedars, I know it stinks to be in the middle. Raise your hand. Alright, nobody's listening. Fine. You own both armrests. That is my gift to you. Welcome on.
3: Wow, well, that is an American Airlines pilot laying down some ground rules. Uh, you people in the middle seat, raise your hands. You get both armrests. <laughs> wow, that's that's good. He just doesn't want any headaches on his flight. I get it. I get it. Establishing expectations. That's just smart. So a word on the whole woke DEI thing. Actually, several words on it. Um, this is so interesting, energizing, fun, in kind of a grim way once you get it. And that is the way the critical theory crowd works. Critical race theory, uh, radical uh, gender theory, queer theory, all that stuff. Um, they identify a problem, sometimes real, sometimes imagined. It's, it's, it works better if it's real. And we'll get into racism, for instance. Um, And then they claim that the system, the institution where the problem is, is so diseased it has to be torn down. As James Lindsay, the brilliant James Lindsay, puts it, if you want to control something, you call it racist until you control it. It's it's neo-Marxism. It's a way to rally people to the new utopia and convince them that we need to tear down the capitalists, except it's not capitalists anymore. It, they use different terms. They're trying to fire up people ethnically and sexually and gender or whatever. Um, but they convince you that the, the diseased existent system has to be torn down. And and that's the way they get their Marxist utopia going, their totalitarian utopia where they control everything and it's pretty clever because they put it all they dress it up in moral terms and they claim that if you're with us if you're an anti-racist you're a good person and remember just not being racist is not good enough you've got to subscribe to their entire philosophy to be a quote anti-racist Otherwise, you're a racist. And people hear this and think, well, I don't want to be a racist. I'm not a racist. I want to be, what is that, an anti racist? Yes, I'm that. And they've got you. They've got one more sheeple in the pen. And I can't believe people fall for it as much as they do, but they do. Uh, Keeping in mind, this is such a great quote, and I wish I'd written down who said this Marxists just lie. They lie so overtly and blatantly that people begin to question their own perceptions. It works because no one expects another person to lie so overtly. They don't believe in shared truth. They use words as weapons. Until you learn to keep this in mind, during every interaction, you will continue to get played. They rely on you implicitly assuming that they have good intentions and are aiming at a shared truth. And so dialogue can be productive. So they come at you saying, we just want to end racism. That is implying that they have good intentions or in aiming at a shared truth. That's a deception. For Marxists, dialogue is not a way of attaining truth. It is a forum for manipulation. Remember the Black Lives Matter lady said, first of all, we're trained Marxists. That is exactly what they're trying to do. Workers of the world, unite! didn't work because the workers were pretty happy. They worked hard. They got ahead. They got a house and a couple of cars. They thought, I like capitalism. So they've decided to make it about ethnicity and sexuality and the rest of it. And it's, it's clever as hell. It's discouraging as hell to see how many people fall for it. Anyway, having said that, every, the best scams include a fair amount of truth. Like the DEI scam or the, uh, the anti-racism scam. It's based on the truth that there's racism. Racism in the United States, the fact that slavery endured shamefully as long as it did in the U.S. Uh, is is the rock on which they build their scam. But don't fall for it. Fight racism all the time. Uh, I believe in doing that. Uh, you believe what you want to believe, but racism is ugly and it's stupid. It also exists all over the world. Um, but having said that, a couple of stories for you. Do you know the name... Eric Stewart, Florida State University criminology professor, Eric Stewart. He was the guru in academia of the claim that systemic racism infests America's police and American society. One more time, Marxists just lie. They lie so overtly and blatantly that people begin to question their own perceptions. The esteemed Mr. Stewart has been fired. He's out of his job on account of extreme negligence. That's a quote in his research. The academic was fired after almost 20 years of his data, including figures used in an explosive study which claimed the legacy of lynchings made whites perceive blacks as criminals and that the problem was worse among conservatives. The data, almost 20 years, was found to be in question. College authorities, and it's not easy to get fired in in colleges uh, for being like a, a lying Marxist lefty, College authorities said he was fired for, quote, incompetence and false results. Among the studies he has had to retract were claims that whites wanted longer sentences for blacks and Latinos. To date, six of Stuart's articles published in major academic journals like Criminology and Law and Society Review between 2003 and 2019 have been fully retracted. After allegations, the professor's data was so fake or so badly flawed it should not have been published. The professor's termination came four years after his former graduate student Justin Pickett blew the whistle on his research. Um, are you feeling at all uncomfortable right now that fighting against this guy's lie is somehow denying that racism is a problem? Because I got a confession. And I'm I'm so into this stuff. You can probably tell. Um, I have just a tinge of thinking. I don't want to come off as like a white supremacist or something. That's how far the Marxists have gotten. If you fight against the liars and the Marxists, you feel like I need to make clear I'm not a racist here.
5: Oh, that's how they get you.
3: Anyway, the studies. Uh, that that this guy faked the data for included, and you can you can get a, a an idea of of what the studies were, um, included. School social bonds, school climate, and school misbehavior. A multi-level analysis. That was the 2003 super influential study cited by the Obama administration that was all about we can't have discipline in schools the way it is because that disproportionately affects people of color because of racism. He faked that data. 2011. Ethnic threat and social control, examining public support for judicial use of ethnicity and punishment. In 2015, this is fully revoked, retracted, the social context of Latino threat and punitive Latino sentiment. In 2018, lynchings, racial threat, and whites' punitive views toward blacks. He faked the data. In 2019, the social context of criminal threat, victim race, and punitive black and Latino sentiment. Faked it. And finally, faked up in 2019, a legacy of lynchings, perceived black criminal threat among whites. Ah, uh, need to take a quick break. Uh, what are we doing here, Michael? Hello, fresh. Yeah, uh, I, more from this article, which is fantastic. After a word from our friends at HelloFresh, uh, Judy and I are going to have HelloFresh tonight. I think we get it delivered today. We've chosen three three dinners per week. We have dozens of recipes to choose from delivered fresh to our door. All the ingredients are pre-measured and the rest of it. um, and, And we just whip it up fresh in the kitchen. We have a fresh made like gourmet meal. Ready for us. And it takes, you know, 15, 20 minutes, depends on the recipe. Um, and they have the quick and easy stuff too. You've got to try it because you can cancel whenever you want, whether you're a uh, single, uh, empty nesters like us, maybe you got picky eaters in your family. They take care of you. So when life gets busy, don't call for takeout. Get HelloFresh. It's 25% cheaper than delivery and even less expensive than grocery shopping. Uh, try America's number one meal kit today. Get 50% off plus free shipping with the code 50 Armstrong at HelloFresh.com slash 50 Armstrong, That's 50Armstrong, the code 50Armstrong, at HelloFresh.com slash 50Armstrong. So anyway, back to this uh, fraudulent professor. Uh, His uh, former grad student said they'd worked together in 2011 researching whether the public was demanding longer sentences for black and Hispanic criminals as those minority populations grew, as the paper claimed they did. But Stewart, the fired professor, had fiddled the sample size to deliver that result when the real research did not. When the investigation into sort began in 2020, he claimed he was the, the victim and that Pickett, quote, essentially lynched me and my academic character. Oh, there we go. And do these guys know or even care? I guess they probably don't. That constantly, like, using lynching to describe what's happening to you devalues the horror of lynching? Why would you do that? That's a horrible thing to do. Anyway, after 16 years as a professor of criminology at Florida State University, uh, the provost formally notified the professor, t- Stuart, is being sacked in July. Quote, I do not see how you can teach our students to be ethical researchers or how the result of future research projects conducted by you could be deemed as trustworthy. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He said, as well as the six officially retracted studies, other work by Stuart was in doubt. Uh, Ah, etc., etc. Yeah, I think we went into enough detail on the studies, but again, this guy was not some backwater nobody. Professor Eric Stort was a guru of the systemic racism movement. Troubling story out of Canada: Toronto school board and an education minister announced they're launching investigations into professional development training. That's a fine term. After a former principal died by suicide following a lawsuit in which he alleged emotional distress from anti-racist trainings and the fallout that followed. The sessions included concepts from critical race theory. Before his death, Richard Biltzko, a 60-year-old former principal, sued the Toronto School Board for emotional distress after he attended a training where he was accused of being a racist um, merely because he was white, of course. Blitzko alleged in his lawsuit that Kiki Ojo Thompson, who runs an equity firm called the Kojo Institute, said that Canada was racist and has quote, never reckoned with its anti-black history. When Blitzko disagreed with the instructor and challenged some of her comments, he was condemned for appearing to undermine a black woman. How dare you undermine a black woman? You see how it goes just to disagree with them is racism. Uh, She said, we're here to talk about black anti-black racism, but you and your whiteness think that you can tell me what's really going on for black people. According to the lawsuit, Uh, she's denied the allegations. Principal also alleged he was called a white supremacist for sharing his beliefs. The fallout from the training catapulted into further issues relating to the matter, and the family believes it was a hostile environment that took a serious toll on the man's uh, mental health. The education minister said the allegations were serious and disturbing. Uh, By the way, the the equity teacher gal blamed the suicide on right-wing media, of course. Meanwhile, perhaps not by coincidence, you think, DEI professionals are facing... Unemployment firings not being renewed. Companies around the country are waking up to this stuff, and it could be the heyday of this stuff is over. Some evidence of that from the Wall Street Journal coming up next.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
3: Tomorrow on the show, we're going to go into that uh, anti racism training that drove that Canadian principal to suicide. Um, he was humiliated um, professionally, and, and he pursued that his career had been ruined. And, and you know, obviously, I, most of us wouldn't commit suicide, but I, I didn't walk in his shoes, so I can't judge him. Uh, anyway, we'll dig a little deeper into that. But for now, a couple of articles from The Wall Street Journal on that topic. This is so interesting, and I'm glad to see it. The legal assault on corporate diversity efforts has begun. Conservative groups are challenging Amazon, Comcast, and others using many of the same tools that helped kill affirmative action programs in colleges. And the long and short of it is that um, uh, companies like uh, Amazon, Starbucks, and others who had gone hardcore into this DEI stuff are discriminating by race. I mean, they're unconstitutionally discriminating by race. And so-called conservatives... Not sure if it's actually conservative or not. I'd have to think about that. But what we believe, what we believe, is that you're not going to end racism with racism. You can't say you're not allowed to be racist, but you people are because you have good reasons, um, at least for now. You people will think about because that makes it so subjective. And the government officials and bureaucrats who are subject to bribery and lobbying and the rest of it can choose. They can pick and choose winners and losers. And the idea that you'll get r- less racism through a system like that is just insane. We conservatives believe it's a long and difficult road, but you've just got to call it out wherever you see it. No racism. No racism. By anybody. And that's how you end racism, or at least reduce it to its lowest possible level. So I'm good to see that. And then this the rise and fall of the chief diversity officer. Companies including Netflix, Disney, Disney, hmm, and Warner Brothers Discovery have recently said that high-profile diversity, equity, and inclusion executives will be leaving their jobs. Thousands of diversity-focused workers have been laid off since last year, and some co- companies are scaling back racial justice commitments. Uh, Wall Street Journal, that phrase ought to be in quotes. Because those so-called racial justice commitments are not seeking justice. They're seeking power, and they're perpetuating racism and racial injustice. So do you have editors over there anymore? Anyway, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI jobs, were put in the crosshairs after many companies started re-examining their executive ranks during the tech sector's shakeout last fall. Some chief diversity officers say their work is facing additional scrutiny since the Supreme Court struck down affirmative action in college admissions and companies braced for potential legal challenges, which we were just mentioning. DEI work has also become a political target. And some of the DEI folks said executives didn't want to change hiring or promotions processes, uh, despite telling chief diversity officers they were hired to improve the talent pipeline uh, the quick about face shows company enthusiasm for diversity initiatives haven't hasn't always proved durable, leaving some diversity officers now questioning their career path. Well, that's because, as, as I've always said, this neo-Marxism, the, the, the woke thing, the critical race theory thing, the critical queer, radical gender theory, all that stuff. It doesn't make sense logically. And as people wake up to it and they become more familiar with it, they reject it. And, and trust me. The fact that it doesn't work logically, or it just doesn't work in the real world, is why they say any appeal to logic or data is white supremacy, and you're not allowed to do that. Gee, what a convenient cover. It's like telling the cops, hey, evidence is racist, so you can't convict me based on evidence. That, that You'd be hooted at. You'd be laughed at. But that's the claim that that crowd makes. Anyway. A new analysis uh, from Live Data Technologies, it's an employer data provider, shows that chief diversity officers have been more vulnerable to layoffs than their human resources counterparts, experiencing 40% higher turnover. Job searches are taking much longer. Here's this gal who sent out 300 applications and has finally decided to get out of DEI work. The number of chief diversity officer searchers is down 75%. In the past year, according to a Fortune 100 uh, hiring uh, headhunter type person uh, or company, I should say, uh, uh, more executives are feeling skittish about taking on diversity roles. They're telling us, quote, the only way I want to go into another role with DEI is if it includes something else. He estimates 60 percent of diversity roles he's currently filling. Combine the title with another position, such as chief human resources officer. Um during the pandemic, companies moved into diverse. Well, they mentioned that post-George Floyd, everybody was desperate to be on the right side, the quote-unquote right side, because the neo-Marxist, remember the founders of Black Lives Matter, the organization, said were trained Marxists. They had so much energy because the killing of George Floyd was so terrible and, and horrified so many people. They bowed down to these neo-Marxists. But now they've woken up. There's hope, friends. There is hope. Speaking of vexing issues that there may or may not be hope for, uh, medical costs are insane. Craig, our friend, the healthcare guru, is going to be on to kick off next hour with how we can fight it. If you can't get next hour, grab the podcast. Podcast Armstrong and Getty on Demand.
6: The
5: cat